Slow Burn Media and Evergreen Podcast presents Who Killed, a podcast that provides a voice for the voiceless. The search, again, was a targeted search. It was not a wide area search. It was related to GPS coordinates, uh, points of interest that were given to us from the FBI from the high-resolution photography. No additional items of evidence that were significant were found today. This particular time of year is very conducive to searching in this area because the, the foliage is off. Uh, and the uh, insects are reduced. So it, it just happened to coincide with the examination of the photography that they gave us this results, and these, this is an ideal time to follow up on it. Inspector, any plans for further searches after today? And immediate plans, th there may be some additional searching, but the, the plans are yet to be formal, formulated. But the, the searching based upon the FBI photography is done at this point. We've examined all the points of interest that I have passed along to us, but we're trying to be thorough in our search. We had, we had uh, assistance was offered to us by the FBI for the photo flight, and this is the culmination of that assistance. All the areas in Ocean Parkway have been searched prior. Some of the areas, a small area on Bay Parkway was searched, and some of the areas on Wanto Parkway may have not been searched before, but the bulk of the areas that we searched today have already been extensively searched. More than once? Several times, yes. There are now growing similarities between the bodies found on Long Island and the bodies found near Atlantic City back in 2006. Those were four prostitutes who you see here. They yeah, it doesn't look like it would be very difficult to, uh, if you know the spot, you know the area where you want to take these bodies, pick them up in the city or in the, any of the boroughs and just, boom, have your wave of them. Like, I mean, not to like be so blunt about it, but it's true. I mean, this is the boonies. Both of these spots specifically, they're, they're there's a lot of places that aren't the boonies very close by, but this person knew the spots that were. Everywhere is not the boonies except for this whole stretch. This stretch and then the Pine Barrens out in Manorville. Yeah. You know, like it's quite remote and there were two torsos found there linked to body parts skulls and feet and hands found you know on ocean parkway you can make like a song out of that and like skulls and feet hands <laughs> like, i also pluralized feet i said feet i don't know <laughs> you might you might have done that but whatever it's a podcast <laughs> <laughs> but yeah so so yeah i i do think james burke suffolk county police chief he would know all the areas he is known to be with sex workers he allegedly was rough with sex workers who carries around a bag of porn and sex toys? I mean, listen, there's nothing wrong with porn and sex toys, but I don't know who's carrying that around with them, like, in their Yeah, car. hey, hey, each his own. I mean, porn it, and listen, sex toys, nothing wrong with that. Okay, fine. You carry around your car. Then he beats the guy who steals it and does 46 months in federal prison. I mean, the, guy, the guy's a little unhinged. Um, I think he's, he, you know... I would put my money on him. So he's your number one suspect. He is. Um, you know, there's other thing. You know, he's he was known to be, I think, semi, somewhat corrupt. I don't remember exact incidences. You know, there have been some police brutality situations. But yeah, I mean, if you Google him, he comes up as scandal, police brutality. You know, he wasn't he wasn't the greatest guy, and he's the chief of police. Is he still the so, chief of police? No, 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 no. He, uh, it's a different person now. So, so yeah, the family is still calling for the FBI to get involved. And they haven't? No, I don't know exactly. I, I don't believe the FBI has. The latest thing that I know, the, the latest with the case, 
is actually very recent and Shannon Gilbert's family is still trying to get the 911 call. They want to hear it. Mm-hmm. They want to hear her 911 call. I, I believe it was a 20 minute phone call. It's a pretty long phone call. And so while the police have said that they don't believe her case is LISC related, they also are saying they won't release it because it could jeopardize the identity of the killer. So they kind of contradict themselves or like hinder the investigation into who the killer is, I think is what they said. And it's like, okay, wait, on one hand, you're saying there was no killer, that she probably drowned, but you're also saying that if you release the phone call, it could hinder the investigation into the killer. So that's the latest um, is that they're not releasing the 911 call and the family is confused as to their reasoning. Yeah, I mean, and when so you see it, it's like, I mean, they're basically, they're basically saying, uh, yeah, the judge says that we can release this, but we're not going to. Right, we jeopardize the investigation. Yeah, so, so the other person who actually hasn't been mentioned so far in any of the mainstream because... The main documentary was put out in 2015 or 16, and then the uh, book came out in 2013, almost right after the bodies were found, so no large media has been done since then on the case, um, is John Bitroff. And this man was convicted in 2017, so that's why he hasn't been you know, in any of these major... Long Island serial killer documentaries and stuff. He was convicted in 2017 of two sex worker deaths in the 90s. And he used to live in the Pine Barrens where two of the torsos were found. So a lot of people think he is a suspect. Interesting. So there's basically like a top five. I pretty much named the top people that are always mentioned. Um, But again, like I said, Bitroff is not been mentioned as much yet because he was just arrested and convicted. So yeah, he's um, not as much has been written about him, but you know, when you search him, his top things are Long Island serial killer. Could he be the killer? Now, do you believe that he's the most likely of the suspects? I don't know yet because I still, I haven't really, you know, looked into what he's been up to for all of these years and things like that, which I'm sure the police are currently working on. Um, but, you know, he he did kill two sex workers. He lived in the Pine Barrens. Two torsos were found there. Maybe he, maybe he's the torso killer and still the, and the trophy killer with the Kilgo Beach Four. Maybe that's, you know, chief of police, James Burke. You know, it could, it could be two of them. Yeah. Because James Burke seems to me more the kind of guy who is, you know, meticulous, planned police guy. And Bitroff seems more of the kind of guy who's, you know, the kind of serial killer that we think of. You know, this person who's just chopping up bodies and it's like leaving them out there. So this is kind of an out there question, but is there any chance that they would know each other? No. Oh, that is a good question. I, I, that is, I am not sure of. Um, just because I'm just saying, you know, if, if one's going to cover for the other or they have such different MOs, but they use the same dumping ground area or somewhat of the same dumping ground area. I don't know. I just I'm just throwing it out there. Oh, this is interesting. OK, so now I'm, re- I'm so I'm looking more into him. And so a link between him and the Long Island serial killer cases besides, you know, the bodies found where some of the torsos found where he lived. Um, One of the women he was convicted of killing was reportedly best friends with Melissa Bartholomew, who was one of the Gilgo Beach Four. 
And apparently Bartholomew's mom said that she had a lot of calls to Manorville from her phone at the time. And this guy, he's not He's not bad looking. He seems kind of like what you think of a serial killer looks like. Looks a little like Jim Muir, probably charming. Yeah, uh, just off gets you comfortable quickly. Yeah, he would have been in the age range. You know, back then he would have been early 40s. They they thought this person had been killing since the 90s. And I think his first victim was in the 90s. Yeah, span of crimes, 93 to 94. It's definitely, it's definitely interesting. Yeah, it's, yeah. Okay, go ahead. No, go ahead. I was just going to say, it's like, you know, with any of these criminals that they come across like later in life or they get caught doing something, you know, past the point of, let's say, being their first opportunity to do so. It, gosh, it just leaves so many unanswered questions mm-hmm. as far as who who else could have been a victim of, you know, fill in the blank because right. it's ev- it's almost everybody. Absolutely. And I think, you know, I think one of the interesting things is there is a kid, an unidentified kid. Perhaps this was his daughter, you know, like similarly in what we saw with the Allenstown four, you know, where he had to get rid of some of these like loose ends, some of these pe- like, I think one of the girls in the barrel was his daughter. People are like, you know, is, is the kid that was found? this person's daughter he had to get rid of. So maybe, you know, identifying her and Asian male and the other Jane Doe, could they be related to him? Or, you know, finding out who some of these people are could lead to who the killer is. And I think that's only going to come with, you know, DNA testing. Yeah, I definitely think that the Asian male is definitely a, one of those situations where that was probably a, he was probably picked up thinking he was a woman and yeah. killed because he wasn't. Yeah. Either, think, but either way, he was going to end up dead. I mean, not to be a dick, but like. Oh, yeah. Well, he, yeah, he was going to, whoever he was picking up, he was killing. So, yeah, yeah. I, you know, this is one of those things that I think about all the time. <laughs> I always go out there and I'm like, are there more bodies out here? Why is no one looking for more bodies? They should be looking for bodies all the time. Um, I'm always like, what if my parents moved into that house? I uh, hope you're not like wandering around out there just by yourself, just in, in a, in a daydream, just going, gosh, where are the I bodies? Mean, and then you trip over one and you're like, oh, I shit. feel like, I mean, that would be like a dream though. Like one to like help find somebody's like missing loved one. Just yeah. like, oh, because sure. you're like following up on your like stupid morbid fascination with serial killers you know what i mean like Mm -hmm. that would be like my dream is to find a missing loved one um no but i I think you know with this case i i do think it's solvable i think they're gonna solve it i think they have a good amount of evidence that we either don't know of or you know maybe there is something on that 911 call maybe they do have some dna we don't know of um there they did do you know we're not talking about the early 2000s these women all went missing in 2010 i mean cell phone pings stuff like that i think I think it's very solvable and I think it will be solved soon. And I think, you know, with a shitbag behind bars now, bitch off, I think uh, maybe some plea deals. I don't know. Yeah. Once you put the feet to the fire, it's uh, it's one of those things uh, kind of get a lot of answers. Now, here's a quick question before we uh, wrap things up. What do you think there's any connection between the bodies that were found in Atlantic City? Right. And all these you know because just to give a quick rundown to the listener uh four bodies were found behind a, a hotel motel um a cd we'll say a cd motel but i forget what year it was again four right. bodies they weren't 
all killed at the same time. And were they, I forget, remind me, were they found at the same time? They were found at the same time. I do remember that. Um, I'm going to double right. check. Right, and they were, they, were, they were similar to um, the Yogo Beach Four because there was four of them laid out very similarly, all right. sex workers in Atlantic City, which is also very close to New York City, as Oak Beach and Gilgo Beach were. Oh, they give them a name on Wikipedia. They call them the Eastbound Strangler. Hmm. But yeah, uh, four prostitutes found in a drainage ditch uh, behind a Golden Key Motel. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I mean, the the um, documentary, the A&E documentary, they mention it. They bring it up as, you know, possibly connected. That's the only time I've heard that. Um, I don't think they were mentioned in Lost Girls. Is that where you were hearing? No, where you no, it was just, I personally just, I, you know, I have a... I mean, it's interesting. It's a very similar, like, MO, like a trophy garden, like laying them out like that. I don't believe they were buried, though. No, they weren't. Um, yeah. They, they, But they were, like, again, they were all strangled and laid out. But, no, again, the only reason I bring it up is because of the fact that I recall it as just being a news guy. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's definitely interesting, and I would... Super I interesting. Would, if I was law enforcement, I would look at them as possibly connected. It's it's a close enough area. It's a similar situation. Uh, you know, the guy, if he's working in Times Square, he could also be going out to Atlantic City to be with sex workers. I mean, people who live on Long Island gamble in Atlantic City. Yeah, and it's not like you're stuck to one spot. I mean, if you're just, like, getting away with murder, who's, who the hell's this? Like, you don't have to... I mean, look at Bundy. Bundy was all over the freaking country doing his crimes. You don't I have mean, to so be in Israel one Keys? spot. Yeah, Israel Keys, exactly. Um, if the Long Island serial killer, if the torso killings and the trophy killings are all the same person. It would make the Long Island serial killer one of the most prolific serial killers who is one of the most prolific serial killers also terrifyingly still at large. Yeah, that's a, uh, yeah, that's a scary thought. <laughs> and right? actually, usually, usually we find out these guys are serial killers after they're caught. And this, one, you know, it's like Bundy gets caught for, you know, something. And then we find out about all the bodies or Israel Keys. He gets caught on one murder and we find out about, I forget with him, you know, five others, I think with him. Um, this one, we find all the bodies, many of the bodies before the person's caught. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he, he's definitely out there. I mean, he's got to know that at least, I mean, 48 hours, Dateline, podcasts, uh, you name it. I mean, they've covered him. So uh, if he's out there still and alive, then he's well aware of the coverage he's getting. So I don't know if that's going to lead to him stopping what he's doing, but certainly is weird to be kind of uh, living through it. Right. I know. I know. And I feel like I've grown up with it. And I'm just like, wow, that's going to be the day they catch him. It's crazy. Yeah. And I'll say the same thing about Amy. I mean, I've, yeah, since I was 10, I mean, I grew up in the city next door and it's been something that has been just ingrained in our brains since we were young. So the day that that's solved is the same type of feeling that you'll have when this is solved. And I just think that, uh, you know, I think doing shows like this and, you know, the work that you do and, and, and the shows that you do, it's, it, it's important for the listeners to really understand and take a deeper dive into who the people are that these crimes are being committed against and remember that like there is no solution there is no closure for any of these families and that closure is not the the right word because 
I know better to, than to say that, but it's just, we're living, yeah. we're living through it right now. And yeah. be like, be like living through the Night Stalker or living through the Golden State Killer, you know, but again, they still didn't know that those things were connected at the time. We right. now have the ability to be able to make those conclusions. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's it's pretty crazy. So, yeah. So anyway, we'll wrap things up. And uh, what's your final thoughts on and where you see the case going and, um, you know, what's your hope for, uh, I guess, the immediate future? I, I see it going similar to how Golden State Killer went. It You know, for most people, it's kind of disappeared. Um, you know, people kind of forget about it. You know, a lot of people didn't even have the name until Michelle's book came out. And then suddenly it's like breaking news. This random guy is arrested. I kind of see it happening like that. Um, it kind of goes dormant. People start to forget about it unless you're me and you're like a creep every single day. And then like suddenly it's like this breaking national news, like prolific serial killer who's been killing since the 90s is finally arrested. I kind of see it going like that. Oh, that'd be a nice... Uh... A nice conclusion. I, I right. wouldn't. I wouldn't argue with with you on that one. And, I hope. Uh, I mean, I hope. I think. I think you know. It's a. It's a new world with DNA, and I think you know. I, it's unclear to me if he had had sex and or raped or sexually assaulted any of the women, but I would, for the sake of DNA, hope there is DNA. And as far as just your overall feeling on the authorities' perspective on the case and how seriously they're handling everything, uh, is this something that you feel like they're giving their all? I know that sometimes when it's a sex worker or uh, there's been situations where families feel like they're kind of getting the short end of the stick on some of the services that the police provide because of the job. Do you feel like that that's been any bit of a impact far as the case goes? I think that um, the families feel like that, at least that they've been given the short end of the stick. Um, I don't personally know, I think, and I would hope now with a new chief of police, I believe that all happened in 2016. It's been a couple years, the new chief of police. I would hope that it's moving forward. I mean, if the police have said and think this is one person, you, you have a very serious problem. You either have two problems or one very serious problem. Because there's 10 bodies that we know of linked to this person then. So I would hope that they are taking it quite seriously. And you're convinced that, now, just to verify, one killer, two killers? I think that, I think Shannon Gilbert did die by a homicide. And whether that was linked to this killer or it's a insane coincidence that she was strangled and put out in the marsh. And I, I, I say strangled because they the bone that they were not able to find that would have shown if she was strangled or not was the hyoid bone. And that's incredibly small. And that's usually what breaks in strangulation. They mm -hmm. couldn't find that bone, which is why it's undetermined how she died. Um, but then I believe the family's independent um, expert did conclude they believe it was strangulation. So I think she was murdered. Um, and I don't know who that was. I don't know if it was Lisk. I don't know if it was someone she was running from that night. But I do think that it is two. I, I, I think it's one person. I, I would say it's one person. Um, and then I think about it again. I'm like, maybe it's two people. I don't know. I don't hear. I don't think Shannon Gilbert died by the Long Island serial killer. 
I do think Shannon Gilbert was killed. I don't know for sure if it's one or two killers. I go back and forth on it all the time. Well, I get it. And I really, really do appreciate you taking the time on this uh, evening to uh, discuss this case because you obviously have a lot of passion for it. And uh, definitely one that we all agree i think that can be solved but uh until that day comes yeah yeah i thank you for letting me uh rant about it and not you know bother my friends with it anymore (laughs) or i will be but just not tonight no problem at all i'm happy to give you a platform (laughs) to do so and uh again thank you so much for joining me and awesome uh, well i'll see you i guess in a month or two sounds like a plan All right. All right. You take care, Maggie. I appreciate it. Thank you. You bet. Take care. Detectives Gerard Giganti and the commanding officer of the homicide section, Detective Lieutenant Kevin Byrer. After the commissioner and district attorney make their remarks, we will take a few questions. We will also distribute a transcript of the commissioner's remarks at the end of the conference. Please keep in mind that due to the nature of this investigation, The commissioner will not comment on statements made by prior administrations, nor comment on possible suspects, additional evidence, or specifics in this investigation. And due to the number of media here during the Q&A, I would just ask that you raise your hand if you want to ask a question. Thank you. Commissioner? Thank you. Good afternoon, and thank you for joining us. The Gilgo Beach investigation is perhaps the most well-known and complex that this department has ever undertaken. It is important that the families of these murder victims know that we remain steadfast in our commitment to deliver justice and in doing so, give a sense of closure. In our continued effort to advance this investigation, today we are sharing information with the public that we hope will shed new light on this investigation. In a few minutes, I will release a photograph of a previously undisclosed piece of evidence found at one of the crime scenes. We understand the value of information provided by the public that could assist us in this case. That is why we are launching a website dedicated exclusively to the Gilgo Beach investigation. Gilgonews.com is a platform to better facilitate an information exchange with the public where the department will, when appropriate, release information as well as provide an additional avenue for the public to submit a tip. And finally, I will update you on a scientific technique that we are utilizing that we hope will move this case forward. Before I get into specifics, let me review the chronology of what has brought us here today. It has been more than nine years since Suffolk officers searching along Ocean Parkway for Shannon Gilbert, who had been reported missing months earlier, discovered the first set of remains belonging to Melissa Bartholomew on December the 11th of 2010. A further search of the area two days later led to the discovery of three more bodies, Amber Lynn Costello, Megan Waterman, and Maureen Baynard Barnes. The search for for Shannon continued, and in March of 2011, the remains of Jessica Taylor were located, nearly eight years after Taylor's partial remains were located in Manorville in July of 2003. Three more sets of remains were discovered on April the 4th of 2011, 
Jane Doe number six, whose partial remains were previously located in Manorville in November of 2000. The remains of an unidentified female toddler believed to be approximately two years old, who through DNA testing has been identified as the daughter of a woman whose remains were located in Nassau County. And finally, an unidentified Asian male believed to be between 17 and 23 years old. A week after these three sets of remains were found in Suffolk, the remains of two additional victims were located in Nassau, including the toddler's mother. Police continued their effort to locate the woman whose disappearance had initiated this search, and on December the 13th of 2011, the remains of Shannon Gilbert were located in Oak Beach. Today, we are launching a website dedicated to sharing information with the public about these unsolved murders and also providing a new way for the public to provide us with tips. To that end, we are asking the public to carefully consider the information provided on the website and whether they may have any information that could bring this case forward. As appropriate, we will share additional information via the website with the hope that with its release, the public will generate new tips and new investigative leads. The website will be dynamic with evolving content posted over time. From the onset, there will be a section to enable the submission of tips anonymously should the tipster choose so. Today, we are releasing the first piece of new information that will be featured on the website. A significant piece of evidence found at one of the crime scenes along Ocean Parkway. A black leather belt embossed with the letters HM or WH was recovered during the initial stages of this investigation. We believe that the belt was handled by the suspect and did not belong to any of the victims. We are not providing the specific location where the belt was found and additional information on this item will not be available at this time. However, we do anticipate releasing photographs of the belt via gilgonews.com when appropriate. We are hopeful that this photograph will bring somebody forward with information about the origin of that article. In addition to this newly released image, we are optimistic that scientific advances will also bring new information to light. We have leveraged the expertise of our federal partners and are utilizing new scientific advances to expand our investigative capabilities. We were granted approval by the New York State Department of Health and have provided the FBI with DNA samples from our unidentified victims for the purpose of conducting genetic genealogy. The process includes uploading DNA to public genealogy, genealogy databases in an effort to identify possible relatives of our unidentified victims. It is not clear how long this process will take. Information about the possibility of other DNA collected during the investigation will not be discussed. Even with these advances in technology, we know that the public remains one of our greatest resources. I encourage anyone who may have information to submit a tip, even if you wish to remain anonymous. The new website can be accessed at gilgonews.com. You can also submit a tip to Crime Stoppers 
by visiting p3tips.com. And Crime Stoppers can also be reached at 1-800-220-TIPS. There has been a tremendous amount of effort put into solving this case. And I can tell you that everyone involved is motivated by one goal, to deliver justice to these victims and to give them some sense of peace and some sense of closure. Before we take questions, our Suffolk County District Attorney, Timothy Seney, will address the media. Before he does so, I want to thank him for his partnership. Him and his team have been committed, and together we are all committed to solving these homicides. Thank you. <clears throat> thank you, Commissioner Hart. It wasn't too long ago that I served as police commissioner, and of course the Gilgo Beach murder investigation was one of the first cases that we took a deep dive into. And one of the first calls I made was actually to Geraldine Hart, except she wasn't police commissioner at the time. She was the head of the Long Island FBI office. And one of the tools that we knew we wanted to use in this investigation was to engage with our federal partners, in particular the FBI, to assist us in this very important investigation. When I made that call to Commissioner Hart, at the time as a supervisor in the FBI, she welcomed us with open arms and we engaged the FBI immediately. And that's why I'm so proud that we're standing here today, strengthening our partnership between my office, the Suffolk County Police Department, the FBI, and continuing to move this investigation forward by implementing new tools in our, in our toolbox. I want to thank all the police officers who are involved in this investigation. Chief Cameron has detailed the amount of work that has gone into this investigation in the past, starting with the initial searches. The amount of work that has gone into this case is perhaps unprecedented. And as the commissioner said, we remain committed to obtaining justice in this case. And lastly, and some of you may have never heard me say this, I want to thank the media. The partnership with the media is very important. I can't tell you how many times when I was police commissioner and now that I'm DA, where the media's coverage of injustices, crimes, and other issues in the community have helped us obtain justice. Whether it's our local papers, our local news stations, and I want to thank all of you for paying attention and, and providing the attention and coverage that these matters deserve. I'll close with just thanking the police commissioner and the Suffolk County Police Department for their tremendous work on this investigation. My office remains committed to doing everything we can to solve these murders. Thank you. Thank you. So I'll open it up for uh, questions. Here you go. Yes. So we are constantly evaluating the investigation. We're looking at the steps that we've taken. We're looking at the technology that's available at the time. And we made a decision as a team that now is the, is the time to release this information. Yes, Nicole.
the suspect. So I'm not going to get into the specifics on why we do indeed believe that, but uh, we do believe that this item was handled by the suspect and did not belong to any of the victims. Yes. So I will tell you that it's embossed on the belt. Um, it is. Uh, it is for the public to assist us in that determination. Yes. So that's nothing that I'll get into today. But uh, but I will say that we believe the suspect handled the belt. Yes. Nothing regarding other scientific techniques are going to be discussed today. Yes. So it's important as an investigative team that we keep our mind open to all avenues and don't uh, particularly uh, marry ourselves to one theory of the investigation. The, we go where the facts lead us, so we do, do not speculate or uh, come across with a, uh, with a determination such as that before the facts indicate so. Again, we, stay, we keep our mind open as investigators and make sure that we go where the facts take us. So I'll begin by saying that the, uh, the effort that's been put into this case is extraordinary. And uh, I, I also want to echo the district attorney and commend our um, detectives that are working on this case, uh, commend the agents that are now partnering with us. And I will tell you that we continue to always take every lead seriously and uh, run, run it down accordingly. And I would encourage the public, if they know anything, even if they think it's insignificant, it may be a piece that fits into a broader picture that we could utilize. So I'd encourage the public to always come forward. Yes. Uh, we collected it at the initial stage of the investigation. At the initial stage, right, of the investigation. So again, a case is always evaluated uh, based on the facts on the ground and what's going on. We're constantly reevaluating. We're constantly trying new techniques. Science and technology are moving forward at, uh, at a mind-boggling pace, and we're making sure that we're constantly keeping up with it and utilizing technology to the best of our ability. We have decided now to leverage uh, social media, obviously with the website, and put information out there in the hopes that the public will come forward with a piece of information about the origin of that article. Yes. Right. So the uh, the actual letters are approximately uh, one half by one half inch. So that is uh, dramatically, obviously, increased. Um, and embossed is, you know, it, is it stamped? Is it? Uh, we're not certain. So what we want is the is the public's help help on that. I'm sorry. Uh, I, re I said that we it was located on a belt. That's that was my statement. That we recovered? Yes, and we'll be releasing photographs of that. So again, uh, I'm putting out information about the belt, um, which I've stated already. It's a black leather belt um, found at uh, one of the initial stages of the investigation. 
Uh, so we will be using gilgonews.com to facilitate an information exchange with the public. Today? So again, I just want to emphasize that this website is now going to be a, uh, an avenue for us to assist us in facilitating information sharing with the public. So that will now be uh, a platform for us to utilize. So that's something I'll comment on. So uh, as you know, a judge uh, ruled on the 911 tapes. We have appealed that ruling, and we'll obviously be guided by the uh, the appellate division's decision. So we consider it part of the investigation, and we are uh, we're making sure that we're protecting the investigation as we move forward, um, as we do with every piece of evidence. So we don't, uh, we're not necessarily certain. Uh, we don't think she matches many of the, uh, the patterns of the Gilgo Beach homicides. Um, as you know, the medical examiner has determined that it's uh, actually undetermined. They do not know whether it's natural causes or the cause of a criminal act. So we are moving forward based on that. So we've constantly said, um, and I can tell you at least for the uh, time that I've been involved with this investigation since 2015, that. Uh, she does not match the pattern of the, the Gilgo Beach homicides, but again, I want to emphasize to everybody here, we let the facts dictate where we're going to go with this investigation. It's very dangerous to speculate or come to conclusions before all the investigation is completed, completed and the evidence is reviewed. Commissioner, was that a new belt or an older belt? Did it look like it was brand new or similar to like an old belt? Like so again, it's, it, was, it was found at the at crime scene. It's, uh, it should be live. Uh, what happens is... So I'm not giving information on the size of the belt. Twenty-four hours ago, I found out the person that I'd been dating and seeing for the last six months as a con man. That is my sister Emma. Andrew Tonks's lies had been so convincing, she'd invested $300,000 with him. However, the tables were about to turn on Andrew. What he didn't know was that Emma had discovered his real identity. But to get any chance of justice, Emma had to act like it was business as usual. Coming up in this series, and that's when murder all this stuff goes through my mind. I'm really, really scared. I'm assuming Sarah has watched too much Netflix and figures I've been defrauding you. Couldn't be further from the truth. That's what this was, a real-life story that seems so unbelievable, but it was actually true. A true story that all starts with one simple swipe to the right. I'm Sarah Ferris. And I'm Emma Ferris. And this is my story, Conning the Con. Three AM, the comedy horror podcast that holds weekly gatherings around the campfire. Let me tell you what you're gonna get. You're gonna hear stories about demonic possessions, prison stabbings, skinwalkers, glitches in the Matrix, cult leaders, missing four one one, night marchers, Operation Paperclip, 
Mesopotamian devil worship, and so many monsters it'll give Kanye West a runaway for his money. Pop and meme culture also aren't off topic. A camp where laughs and scares are constantly competing for first place. We're just a group of friends, trying to bust each other's balls, find the best stories, and expand the circle in the process. 3AM, the comedy horror podcast, not for the faint or fragile of heart. Let's go.